Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Northeast Scene Podcast. This is Keith. And Tommy. It's Monday night. You know what that means. We're here to annoy you once again. <laughs> you, you know what? You know what? <laughs> something funny happened uh, this past weekend. I was with Romy, and we're in her daughter's room hanging some LED lights and just cleaning up and all that stuff. And um, she's like, let's put on music. I'm like, let's put on a podcast. And I'm and she's like no, and I'm like oh that that's what I do when I li- you know when I'm like working on stuff I listen to a radio, or podcasts. And she's like all right, put on yours. And I was like no, no, I don't want to listen to mine. <laughs> <laughs> It'd be too weird. I'm like let's listen to this other one. And she's like no, I can only handle one annoying guy in my life. <laughs> <laughs> well, at least she's clever, dude. That's like yeah. one of those things where you don't want to. I, I hate to say this, but I, I have like three or four people I work with that have podcasts and they're yeah. like, they're always like, you should check out my podcast. And I always kind of want to be like, you should check out mine. And then I'm like, never mind. Don't do that. You're like a, a 45 year old mother of four. Like you don't want to fucking listen to yeah. us talk about punk rock and stuff. I don't, <laughs> I don't tell any coworkers at all about this because I, I keep that very separate from, from my job. And I don't listen. There's one book. There's one podcast I listen to because it's, you know, based on something I'm interested in, but that's it. I don't really listen to podcasts. I check out, I'll check out friends podcasts sometimes like off the beat. I've listened to a couple times. Yeah. Brendan's podcast. I've listened to Brendan pod. Yeah. That's good. You know, like, I, I don't know. I, there's only one in my rotation really. And listening to ours just makes me self-conscious. Like when I posted on Monday morning, I'm so afraid that I did something wrong that I'm like afraid to listen uh, yeah, to yeah, it. Yeah, 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 yeah. You don't want it to come back and be like, oh, do you hear what Keith said? And you're like, fuck, I shouldn't have said yeah. that. You know what? Or just I'm, I'm afraid I like clipped out a whole segment on accident <laughs> and that there's like an hour of silence, you know? I still think about this. I Have you had nightmares about it yet? I'm sure you do. You have not, you- n- not nightmares, but I'll have these mixtape dreams where like I'm joining the band that we're talking to, oh, I'm talking to okay. them, I'm listening to them. It's it's like that kind of stuff. Okay. Interviewing them, that type of thing. Yeah, see, I have now gotten to the point where like there's been a couple times where like I've had like the, oh my God, what did I say on the podcast thing? Where yeah. I'm like, oh shit. Like I got to, like there's there's been a couple dreams where I've woken up and been like, I think I have to text Keith to take that out. <laughs> and they're always like ridiculous crazy things like uh what was the one i woke up and i was like i was in like a full-on like sweat and i woke up and it was that somehow you and i because we had we well again this doesn't go back to work but you and i have joked about this for the like the longest time like but <laughs> i i was somehow you and i had gotten a ton of money together and we were buying something crazy and we were gonna sell it to these dudes and then i was like i I woke up thinking it was real like because that's how (laughs) real the dream felt and i was like i gotta call keith and cancel that (laughs) like those dudes are gonna kill him (laughs) we can't have this happen like this is gonna be too much no it was so real (laughs) buying shit and reselling it that's like a tommy thing no, that's totally yo. That's a that's a me thing to a like that's uh, I think uh, my mom said this the one day she was because she was talking about something at the house and she said uh, oh she's like you do eBay right and I was like yeah and she's like 
how do you do that? And I was like, well, I just use the app on my phone and it's nice because I can just take the pictures and then sell stuff real fast. And she's like, what do you sell? And I'm like, everything. She's like, why? And I'm like, I don't know. I, it's now become to the point where like, I, I think in the last like two months, I think I've sold like seven or $800 worth of stuff on there. <laughs> Some people enjoy that. They enjoy listing it. They enjoy looking at other stuff. They enjoy buying stuff, selling stuff. I'm not one of them, but I, I, I know other people who are into this. So I buy stuff with no intention of ever wearing it or using it. Um, like that I've, just seems like a big waste of time. So it, it is. And it, it's so, all right. Um, you know how I, so I like when I go to work, I wear pol like I like polo dress shirts. Like they yeah. fit really nice. And I, and that I, every time I've had one, I, they've lasted for a really long time. Like they last super long, even when I wash them and like, don't take them to the dry cleaners. Um, so I continually, I'll go, Oh, like, um, you know, and I have a shaved head. So like the back of my neck rubs against the, like the top of the collar. So the, yes. the collars get worn out pretty fast on mine. Um, and I say fast, I mean like every eight months I need to get a new one. Right. So I was like, I'm looking for a new one. And I saw a brand new one in the package, like with the, pa like the, you know, in the, like still in the plastic with the tags on it. But it was like, do you know those ones that like, and I always think of like thugged out dudes wearing them. They're like the polo teddy bear stuff. Yes. <laughs> so it literally had like the front and all the way down the sleeves, it had like maybe 30 of the small teddy bears kind of like, what do you call that? Like where they, and I, and I guess embroidered like on it. And I was like, Oh, that's crazy. I was like, I would never wear that. But I looked at the price and it was eight fifty, and it was new in like the, the, like completely new. And I was like, wow. Like, and it was free shipping. So I was like, I'll just put a bid on it. And I came really close to winning it. It was like $21. And Wait, so why? Because I know that I can go and resell it for like 60. Because if you put it in there and you put it in the, like with the right, because they didn't have it labeled correctly. They just had Ralph Lauren dress shirt, size large. And it's like, no, put in there, polo bear, polo bear dress shirt. Like if you put the right tags in it, you attract the right audience. And then, people that are really into that shit. Like if you put it in there at like, you know, a buy it now price of like 50 bucks, there's a ton of people that'll just watch it and bid on it. It's just, you know, it's like thrifting. It's like flea market. Yeah. yeah. It's like that. But like, that's what my, like my grandfather did that for a long time was like, he ran a booth at Quaker city in Philly at the flea market on Saturdays and Sundays. And so this is in your genetics. Oh yeah. hundred percent. But I understand when he got really lazy at the end, like when he was like in his eighties, I thought this was the funniest thing in the world. My mom got so mad at him. We went down to go visit him at the thing. So first of all, he, he was a heavy drinker. So, you know, we go to visit him at like seven o'clock in the morning. He's definitely shit house drunk. Uh, and you know, trying to like make conversation and he's like, clearly like not with it. But my mom is like, Dad, this is all new stuff. My grandfather's thing was he would go around in this van and pick up like lawnmowers, weed whackers, like yard equipment kind of shit. And he would fix it in the garage and make it work and then go and sell it at the flea market. He got really lazy at the end and he just started going to the dollar store. And he would just buy like packages of things and then take them out of the packages <laughs> And then just put them on the table. So he would buy like, you know, you go to the dollar store and buy like a, like two different types of screwdrivers. Yes. He would just take the two out of the package and sell them each for a dollar. <laughs> and I was like, pop, you know, people are going to like, it, 
People, who's gonna who's gonna figure that out though? Like, nobody. There's, there's no dollar store expert. Like, oh no! Gonna, but like people, people like walk past that and go, "Oh my god, I can get that for a dollar!" Like that's a screwdriver for a dollar. Meanwhile, my grandfather paid fifty cents for him, and he thinks it's the fucking greatest thing in the world. Like buy it for a dollar, sell it for two. Yeah, and then you know, and then he would spend all of his money. Uh, there was when, when he passed away. I thought this was hilarious. My aunt was like because he lived he finally ended up living with my aunt because they said he couldn't live in the house in ben salem anymore so uh he had so many cans he would buy all his food he would like not eat dinner with anybody like or he would come out and sit down to dinner and you know just have a beer or wine and my aunt would be like pop you gonna eat and he would just not eat so when he died my aunt said she went through his closet (laughs) he had like (laughs) like a hundred cans of tuna (laughs) like all these can't like packages of crackers and shit like he would just literally buy food from the dollar store and store it inside the inside of his closet and just that's how he ate dude it was fucking crazy he's like a cat oh he's like a he's like a crazy person that lived through the depression so he literally just like he thinks every day they're gonna come and take you away so you might as well be stocked up like oh my god dude it's nuts that's a nutty way to live it's however you know it is what it is (laughs) It certainly is. Well, folks, it's Monday night once again. We're here, and we're going to be talking to Keith Goodwin from Good Old War. Yes. Uh, I'm looking really forward to that. We grew up with him. He's gone far places in music. And, you know, when we have that hometown connection, that's always fun. I, w- I can't wait to talk to him, too, because there was a, it, there's a couple of things that I heard about him when we were growing up, and I want to be like, you know what? I've always thought that for years about Keith, and I, I, wanna, I can't wait to ask him in person. Like That would be really awesome. Plus, it's the first time we're having another Keith on the show. Oh, shit. That's, that's very special. That's, that's killer. You know, yeah. that, how confusing that got when we had Lee Ving on, and he kept talking about my dad, and <laughs> yeah. finally, he finally was just like, all right, Tom Sr. I'm like, yeah, that's close enough, dude. <laughs> there was another Tommy on the show, too. Who was that? Tommy Manson from uh, Everyone. Oh, right, 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 yeah. Because yeah. I was like, Tommy 1 and Tommy 2. And... Yeah. Folks, do you hear how wonderful and crisp and, <laughs> and new Tommy sounds? <laughs> he's, his new mic came in the mail, and he's joined... The professional ranks of podcasters. I, I got this from eBay. What? No. <laughs> yeah, when, when you, yeah, when you said that, I actually like got mad for a second. It's like yeah. residual. No, no, no. It's so funny. Is like when I got this one, I, I, I sent Keith the, uh, <laughs> I sent Keith the receipt. Like I took a screenshot of it, and I was like, Yeah. No, I legit. I got this from a legitimate place. I got it from the place you told me to get it from. I got it from Best Buy. We're good. <laughs> I get. It's coming. It's it, doing two day shipping. We're okay. Like, <laughs> I have to audit you. I do because it, it, in my head, I think like if I can get it for cheaper somewhere, I'm totally doing that. But you know, no. Not with stuff like this, not with electronics. It is really a dumb idea. And I think that's like, somebody said it the one time, I think it actually might've been Josh from Hope's Fall was like, if you buy cheap, you buy twice. <laughs> and he's he's not fucking wrong. I, at this point, I bought three times. <laughs> yeah, it's so true. <laughs> so, it's so true. Especially with like musical and recording. Like, and I think about this, like I've had the same guitar since I was 17 or 18 years old. Like I spent, uh, you know, a couple like uh, like twelve hundred dollars on um, I bought an Ibanez Prestige, and mm-hmm. that's what I've always played. Like I just that's constant. Like and it's the guitar I've had now for twenty years. 
Yeah, I have the same guitar I've had since I was 20. It's an Epiphone acoustic. It's broken, though. The neck snapped, but I want to get it fixed at some point because it's the first guitar I ever had. I wrote most of the music I've written on that thing. And then I got an, an electric Epiphone SG. I think that's broken. And then I have a Univox it, Badass, I think it's called. It's oh, a that's, horrible the one Doug, that's the one Doug got for you, right? No, I bought it from my friend Max. It's a uh, it's it's an awesome guitar though, great sounding guitar. I like that one. That one has that cool like antique violin kind of finish to it, right? Yeah, yeah, I like that look. Yeah, that's a good one. It's the it's the only guitar I've ever played when someone asked me what it was, so that's how I knew it was good. There you go. So yeah, uh, Keith Goodwin's going to be here. That's exciting. Tommy's got a new mic. Yeah, that's exciting. We figured out what the noise was that was coming from his house. And took care of that. <laughs> That's exciting. That's really exciting, especially there is another. I just panicked for a second. You might actually hear that noise for a split second. I, I just moved my computer. So I have my wife's MacBook from work sitting next to me. I just moved it away. When I started recording with you about a minute and a half in, um, that fan started, you know, like the cooling fan that they have on the inside. And yeah, it, I don't think that picks up because it it my that fan runs on my computer the whole time and I don't hear anything. Okay, cool. All right, yeah. I just I just heard it starting and I was like, oh, I'm just moving the computer. So what else is going on? I you know that project management exam I have to take this year? Yeah, 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 yeah. I scheduled it for December thirtieth, so it's on now. There's no way out. Sick. I like. So them. I had to I have to rearrange my whole schedule to start studying every day. So if I if I can conquer this thing and get it, it's going to be the greatest thing I've ever done uh besides this podcast. I did that with uh my math exam. Yes. I I scheduled it July 2nd and mm-hmm. we we left for Disney July 3rd. So I was literally like I have to fucking pass this exam or I'm going to ruin Disney for my kids. Like Yeah, oh, I'm I, rem- be- I remember that whole thing. Yeah. yeah. I'm yeah. going to be a fucking mess in like getting on a plane being like I'm going to have to study while I'm on the plane if I fail at this time. And I passed the first time. So I was like, all right, cool. I hope I tell that story on the podcast in January. That'll be nice because that'll be a, and here's the other thing. What a great way to start the new year, mm. new year, new certification. You know what yes. I mean? Like new prospects for, for with, you know, with your career and whatnot. Like that's such a good way to start a good year. Like, and that's, that's a solid way to think about it too. I hope that happens because I am starting a new career in January. Same same company, slightly different position. So that's cool. Yeah. So let's see what else is what's going on with you. Uh, not really much. I'm still teaching from home. Uh, I've been kind of like uh, getting a little bit antsy with. Um, I, I really feel like I think the like, and I'm going back and forth with it because like. Uh, I have an immune system problem. So like me being in a classroom now now is probably not the greatest of ideas, Mm -hmm. but uh, I'm just looking at the work like my daughters are doing for school. And it's not because it's, you know, just like at home work. It's not terribly challenging. And uh, Monday through Thursday there, they just get assignments on the computer and they just do them at like however long it takes them to do. Like there's no teacher there teaching them. Like they, they might have a video or something that goes along with it. But they start school at nine in the morning. Most of the time, by the time, like I have uh, lunch from 1230 to one. When mm-hmm. I go upstairs at 1230, like they're like, daddy, I'm done school or daddy, I've been done school. And I'm like, okay, that's not good. 
<laughs> you went to <laughs> school. not getting the full day. Yeah, you went to school for three hours, and I bet like an hour of that you were kind of like fucking around. School still sucks. It sounds like. Yeah, whether it's online or not, it's it's fucking you know it's school, so you you just learn to deal with it. Yeah. Now we're gonna talk to Keith. Yay! Yes. So here you go, folks. Keith Goodwin. Enjoy. All right, folks. We're here with Keith Goodwin. Woo! Yeah. 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 Keith, welcome to the show. Hi, guys. Hey, you know, this is exciting. This is the first time we've had another Keith on the show. I know. I, I found that um, Keiths like to uh, talk to other Keiths. I don't know if you're that way, but I am that way. Absolutely, because it's a rare name. There's not a lot of people named Keith. I hated my name when I was younger because a lot of people made fun of it. But I love it now because so p- few people have it. And this is a real mind-blowing quick story. One time I was walking down the street on the phone with my friend Keith, and I bumped into another Keith that I know. <laughs> it nice. was like the the most Keith moment I've ever experienced. My son is also named Bort. <laughs> 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 that's beautiful so keith how's it going man it's going all right i'm yeah. uh trying to stay busy over here yeah so what do you do during these pandemic times what's your day-to-day look like well i mean since school started there's uh that you know virtual school yeah. with the kids but how many kids do you have i have two uh they're about to be seven and nine Ah, okay. Um, so there's that uh, now, but so what we try to do is, I don't, I don't plan out my days, you know, by the hour. I'm a little unorganized like that, but yeah. Um, we try to just get most of the schoolwork done for the week as fast as possible. I mean, we we want the kids to learn, so we we'll sit there and and uh do the work and get it done thoroughly, but try to get it done within the first couple of days of the week. Um, and then that way I can work a little bit more on some days. Cause if I have to sit with them from, uh, you know, nine to f- four or something like that, um, there's just not a ton of time for me to get work done. I, uh, my studio is uh, in my, I took over the dining room. Mm-hmm. So if I can get, a, a bunch of time where they go outside and play uh, with the neighbors and stuff, and I can get some stuff done. But- That's cool. So what kind of projects are you doing? Now, we were talking a little bit before we hit record, so it sounds like you're recording and producing a number of podcasts, right? Uh, yeah, I ha- I've been editing a podcast called Send Your Demos to Table 5. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I've also been uh, getting... a podcast started for a marketing company um so i've been doing that but i i've been doing more music than podcasting uh that's good because music is more fun and you know (laughs) editing podcasts is a pain in the ass so would you be willing to edit this podcast for a very uh small fee no (laughs) (laughs) good answer (laughs) yeah um that so uh, I I've been helping uh, this group called Lulanus get some recordings done. I I taught them how to do some home recording, and mm-hmm. uh, been helping them get uh, some stuff done. I've been doing some work with uh, 
this group called Best Friends from the area. Mm-hmm. Um, actually, Richie Taver, I think, is all f- friends with all those guys. Oh, uh, yes. He's in the sound business, too. And then I've been making some, uh, like, a little bit of a solo record uh, with this guy, Rob Devious. Mm-hmm. Rob Deckard. Yeah. So, like, weird kind of thing. Somebody sent me his stuff on SoundCloud. And I'm not exaggerating. It might be five or six years ago. Uh, does he record like out in a shed behind his house? Yes. Dude, this kid is fucking unbelievable. He like, really you, is. You name, name a type of music. This dude can do it and not only do it, but play it well. Like he's a fucking really, he had a song uh, that was on his SoundCloud that I, I downloaded and I put on my iPod and it's still, I put it on things all the time when I go running. Um it's a just a piano track of him playing. It is an absolutely gorgeous piece of music, dude. I, yeah. I I can't think of the name of it off the top of my head, but he does everything from that to like heavy ass music to like it's just he fucking is funk. It's fucking insane, yeah. dude. He's he the, he's, the, he's the real deal. Yeah, he's like, and he can do like um the one. Th- there's another track that I have, and I I again the name escapes me, but it's like think like uh like lo-fi kind of beats kind of thing like like mm-hmm. it's just him with like an mpc like dude it's so good it's he he has a really smart way of putting things together he's that kid's a phenomenal musician yeah and he does it all like he plays everything on those tracks too which is really cool to watch you know um that sounds awesome that's what i want to get into i want to get into the whole home recording thing that's going to be my next big project whenever i have time or money again so i'm looking forward to that yeah see with uh uh, i guess it started with days away when we first got a record deal i bought a a macbook pro in an mbox and just started learning how to record demos for the band and you know just released things here and there from that but never really got serious with it i just used it as like a demo tool but any producer we ever worked with i would pick their brain um and now i you know i can make full-on records over here just in my dining room you know that's that's amazing that's the dream that's what i want to do because i my band i put out a ep a couple years ago but there's there's one song we never recorded that i just love I'm like, it's always in my head and I'm like, I got to get this thing out. I got to record it at some, some point. So it would be nice to, uh, to be able to demo that at home. So my plan is to also buy a MacBook pro and logic or I don't know, whatever, whatever people recommend and, and just get to it. Yeah. I think I, I, I tell everybody that, uh, it's a good skill to have, to be able to at least record yourself, you know? Yes. Um, because exactly. there's so many uh, musicians now that, I mean, I guess things are getting sort of back to normal where people are getting together. But for a while there, if you didn't know how to record yourself, you're not getting jobs, you know? Exactly. You're screwed. Yeah. So, Keith, where do you live now? I live in Langhorne Borough. Ah, so you're still holding it down in Bucks County. Still holding it down in Bucks County. You know, it... Um, when we started touring, um, and I was I was living in Philly, mm-hmm. and um, when Days Away started was like about to break up, um, I started kind of feeling like I need to figure out what my life is going to look like, 
Right. And everybody was just partying really hard in the city. Yes. <laughs> and I and I kind of got to a point where I was like, either I'm going to stay here and nothing is good, nothing good is going to happen for me, or I just move back to Langhorn and just try to get my shit together. And so my wife and I, uh, we weren't married at the time, but we found this little house in the borough on this little private street that we didn't even know was there. And it was like 700 square feet. It was in a nice neighborhood, but it was only a one bedroom, but we, and with property. So we bought it up and have been here ever since. And I kind of was just like, well, I'm on the road enough and I'm at clubs and bars and all kinds of different cities all the time. So yeah, you get that experience on the road. So that's that's incredible. I I love when people make rational decisions like that because <laughs> because I never did make a rational decision and I never started to until about 3 years ago. So yeah, I lived in Philly too and I was you know, really going circling the drain and I was like, let's keep going. Let's see what happens. So like, let's push this as know. far as we can go and let's <laughs> yeah. see when the wheels fall off. Yeah. Yeah. And then I ended up moving up to New York City and things were stable for about uh zero days. <laughs> and and then they got uh, uh worse over the next few years and but everything worked itself out and now I'm I'm living a very fruitful and responsible life. Good. Yeah, Keith, yeah. Keith, I saw you at the uh, skate park that they opened up in Langhorn the one morning. Yeah, you know, got to get the kids uh, out. Um, and, and that place is awesome. So, yeah. But I, we go really early in the morning because I'm not trying to get run over by anybody. Oh, no, that's when I go. Yeah, I get there uh, at sunrise on Saturdays and Sundays. And it, I'm it, it's me and like maybe one or two other guys that are there like every morning at like six. There's a, there's a dude that's a teacher now that uh, he's there at like six because he lives he lives in Langhorn Borough too. And he literally drives there and like eats breakfast, hangs out and then starts skating like when the sun comes up. Yeah, I get there a little bit after that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Tommy told me that he uh, would see you there, Keith, and I'd be like, yo. We got to get him on the show. Let's do this. Yeah, I'm always really nervous about being on a podcast because I I can't I don't really like listening to my voice. Oh, dude, I'm so with you. The amount of editing I do to myself <laughs> when this thing is done, just to make myself sound normal, <laughs> is crazy. I stutter a lot. I mess up everything. I forget things, and I'm I'm super super sensitive and self conscious as well. So that doesn't help. This is the this is uh the first podcast I've ever been on. Are you serious? That's awesome. Mm-hmm. This is my first you? podcast appearance. How could this be the first? You've you've done so much in music. I mean, come on. I don't know. I'm I I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> well, we're we're very happy for this to be the first one. And what better place than the northeast scene? So Let's talk about our history together. Was that a fucking good segue or what? Yes, dude. Right there. <laughs> Love it. Seamless. So the the reason we started this podcast was because we all came from such a rich music scene. So we all grew up together in Bucks County. And the number of bands... I There was this email that came out that uh, Revelation Records did where they talked about the number of artists that came from Bucks County... You know, it's like this day forward, Circus Survive, shit, Days Away, like everybody, everybody. And I got to find that and read it on the show sometime. But 
Yeah, man, the number of bands was just crazy. So it's always good to circle back and to talk to someone who was right at the center of it all. So Keith, were you in any bands before Days Away or was that the first one? That was the first one. Wow. So you hit a home run right out of the gate. <laughs> How does it feel? I mean, I I feel like I got a little bit lucky, but that and, you know, there was the starting line. And they did, I don't know how they got started. You should get Kenny on the show. Um, we want to. Yeah, we want to. But I know he passed our music around to people who ended up helping Days Away. So without them, I'm not sure what would happen, really. But, you know, it, I um, I listened to some of that old Days Away stuff, and I'm like, well, that's pretty cool for, you know, a 14-year-old. Yeah. Yeah. Dude. <laughs> You guys all met at Nishamani, or most of you? Yep. Okay, because I remember you being in the mix uh, at the Shaw house or at Collins house or, you know. Who was in the original lineup? In the original lineup, there was Matt Haynes, Chris Frangicetto, Matt Austin, and then Greg Itson. Yes. Um, That was in high school. Where's all those guys? And then um, at some point, Tim Arnold joined the band. That was like right out of high school and when we were started to get, I mean, he played with us a couple of times at like a battle of the bands here and there. Yeah. And I remember Days Away making a splash even back in the day. I'll never forget this one show. I think it was at the Yardley Firehouse and I remember you guys playing and just looking at the faces of everybody in the crowd, just like transfixed. And I seem to remember there was just like a red light shining or maybe i'm making that up but you know i was just like i was just like wow these these guys have it going on this is good stuff yeah you know it's funny i have the i have a terrible memory but i have this memory of playing and i don't even know where it was it was some vfw hall i want i want to say it was somewhere up near the uh, nishamani mall and uh, we were playing a show with audience of one and there was like a group of maybe like three or four girls standing in front of me, like crying while we were playing. (laughs) And then audience of one came on and like Anthony just started like screaming in their faces. And like, (laughs) (laughs) I always used to know when we would go to a show and I'd be like, all right, who's playing? And like, you would see who's playing. You're like days away. I'm like, Oh, there's going to be girls there. This is going to be rad. Like, (laughs) There's always, you guys always had such a good fan base of like, like the kids from Nishamani that were like, you guys had such like diverse group of friends. So like, it would be like all these people with like, you know, patches and fucking safety pins through their ears and shit. And then like, all right, there's like really pretty girls here, like fucking days of waste playing. This is sick. (laughs) (laughs) That was, that was one benefit because, you know, you had crossover appeal and yeah, with hard, like back then I was pretty much only listening to hardcore. I was wearing like XL t-shirts <laughs> and cargo pants that were probably too big and bad shoes. And so there wasn't any women looking for me, No, but, <laughs> uh, you know, based on looks or what I was listening to, but I was certainly looking for them. You know what I sort of wonder is, because I never got paid for any show like that. And I was just yeah. like, damn, were they just making tons of money? And I just didn't even know. Wait, so you're telling me you in those early days of playing those shows, you never got money? No, no. Did you? You never asked for any? No. Wow. I was happy to play the show. Yeah, you know, we've talked about this before. 
well, I don't know if I should say this, but <laughs> uh, fuck it. Yeah. You know, yeah, like merch would be made for and sold for bands and no money apparently ever went back to the bands and i guess shows like you don't even think to ask for money because you're in high school like yeah you, you don't have any business acumen so there's a lot of that kind of stuff that went on yeah so whoever was putting on those shows might have been doing all right let's dig up some uh old days away flyers <laughs> from back in the day and we will chase down the promoters and ask that the money be paid directly to <laughs> keith goodwin yeah. i just i remember we played a show um at the kill time and i don't remember who booked it but i remember being like there's a lot of people here and it was like eight bucks to get in and like started doing the math i was like there's like somewhere around there's a thousand dollars at least just floating around this building somehow and like <laughs> like none of us got paid nobody not a single person and then i guess it was about i i think i was in my sophomore year of college i remember somebody sent me uh maybe it was later than that because it was anthony was in say ocean and they sent me a link to uh, that innerpunk.net or innerpunk.com. And it, they were like, you check it out. And it was Audience of Ones, uh, like the self-titled was like yeah. the number five CD selling on there. And it said it, said it had sold like 2,200 units in the last like month. And I was like, 2,200 units? I'm like, holy shit, I haven't seen a dollar from any of this. Like, none of us. I was like, I don't know who's getting paid for this, but it's definitely not me. Like, <laughs> Yeah, where is that money going? So we're talking about Days Away. Now, we're playing uh, heavily attended shows in Bucks County and Philadelphia area that we're not getting paid for. Uh, people are really digging it. Uh, there's a large crossover audience, which is good. So... Now, I hung out with you back in the day a little bit, Keith. I would see you at Colin's house and go to shows and stuff, but I lost track of you after everyone graduated high school. So what were the steps leading to that first record? So in high school, Kenny from the starting line gave our music to a guy named Charlie Adams, mm -hmm. who was working at Drive Through Records. But he was starting his own label um, called We the People. And so Charlie had gotten in contact with me to see if I would want to come out with the band and record uh, an EP for his record label. And I didn't know Charlie, but he offered to fly us all out um, and meet and maybe record a song. Fly out to where? To Southern California. Orange County. Wow. That's incredible. Imagine that. Yeah, he was our age. Like he's my age. And he's just like, Yeah, I'll fly you guys all out here. How old were you at the time? Uh, eighteen. Jesus <sighs> Christ. Wow. And I thought it was cool and I wanted to go to California and uh, obviously we needed a chaperone. My mom came with us and um met him. It was cool. We met a bunch of cool people out there. So we we ended up going back and recording an EP with him mm -hmm. and that EP was doing like people from that area were liking it. And, uh, that was the feel of it EP. And so since everybody we knew who was trying to help us was out in California, we all decided that we were going to move out there. Mm -hmm. So we basically asked our parents to help us, you know, uh, spot us some money and uh, we got a, a house that we all lived in 
which ended up being a house where all kinds of different bands would come through and hang out because no, there were no parents there, you know. Um, so you guys all lived in California together? Yes. I guess that makes sense of why I kind of lost track with you. Yep. We graduated <laughs> high school. I went to a semester at Bucks. Yes. So Now, I, I remember seeing Days Away perform at Bucks in like the rec center or something. Yeah, I, I went there uh, to stay on my dad's health insurance. <laughs> and I just really wanted to go out to California. And I basically said to my parents, I was like, can, if you guys can help me do this, I will not ask you for any money for college. I'll, I'll pay myself through college if this doesn't work. Wow. wow. Can I actually, can I ask you this, Keith? There was one time I remember talking with Anthony um, and, and we were, it, I think I was in college and Anthony was, cause he was a year uh, below me and he had mentioned, did you get into George Washington university? <laughs> No. <laughs> oh, never mind. <laughs> no, I did not. I remember him saying he was like, "Yeah, dude, he like gave up a he had like a partial scholarship to GW." I was like, "Really?" <laughs> like, That's fucking insane, dude. And he's he's playing in a band. Like that seems fucking ridiculous. But no, that I I got into one school. It was like Bentley College in up in the Boston area. Okay. And and I just didn't go. Yeah, I didn't go to, I didn't finish college either. I went to two semesters of Bucks and then one away, I think. And you know what? It just wasn't for me. And I made the right choice because look at me now. I'm doing a podcast. Um, I'm doing a podcast. It's pretty good. No, but got the podcast no. going and everything. Like, look, I went to, I went to college twice because the first time I, I literally went and played lacrosse and that was it. That was pretty much all I did. So I came home and had to get another degree. College was not for me. I, you know, I failed out and not even for anything cool. Like, well, I mean, I guess I partied a little too much, but that wasn't it. Like, I failed meteorology, which I thought would be an easy class. Like, yeah, it's fucking raining. Like, you know, no. it's bright out. Okay. But there's a lot of math involved, uh, which I didn't realize. And I failed out and, you know, this day forward needed someone to go on tour with them. So I was like, all right, I guess I'm done college. <laughs> yeah, um, I think I made the right choice because I got to go on two tours with them. And, you know, those are more memorable than anything I did in college. Yeah, I mean, touring, touring's fun. I, I mean, again, my, my memory is pretty bad. So I kind of yeah. wish I had a better memory, but... Well, we're going to pull it all out of you, Keith. Yeah, we'll get something. <laughs> we're going we're gonna to get it done. So you're living in California, right? Yep. And um, at, we had found a manager um, who was like tour managing Real Big Fish and just seemed to know a bunch of people. And he was helping us get shows. And you know what's crazy was the local shows in Southern California were like 500 people or more like you know i was used to playing you know vfw halls here for mm -hmm. like you know maybe a hundred people and then their local shows where like it was young bands playing no big names had tons of people i loved it so much oh man wow that's awesome because it's like it's like one of those things though it's like if you have that community already there and kind of in place and people are just excited to go to shows like that 
you get people that are like, yeah, you should come. We had a great time last weekend. And then that's that slow build to it. But it's like one of those things that when you go to a show, like I remember when I went to shows up in Wilkes-Barre, I remember being like, oh, my God, like I'm going to go to like there's a a show up at this place. They used to have a venue called um, Home Base. This dude, Bob Mack, ran it. And I was like, I'm going to go see bands at Home Base. And I thought like we're up in Wilkes-Barre, like you're in the Poconos. Like how many people are going to be here? Like 30, maybe like dude, 250, 300 kids easy on a, on a, on a Thursday night. Like it was just fucking insane. I was like, wow, there's a lot of people that come out for these shows. It was just like, I never understood why Wilkes-Barre was like a place people would stop and play. Um, But because of the vicinity of like multiple colleges and like it, it, there was a lot of people at those shows. It was crazy. Yeah. You gotta love that. I, I mean, I I was I wasn't used to playing actual venues either. You know, mm-hmm. I think we did a battle of the bands at the TLA once before that, but um, these were like you know Chain Reaction, uh, Troubadour, you know, actual venues with good sound systems and stuff or decent sound systems, and it was like you know once we started doing, it, I was like, I love this. I I don't want to stop doing this. I've played a real venue once or twice, but how do you learn, like, because I see musicians being like, oh, I need more of this in the monitors and that, and everyone really seems to know what they're doing. So how do you figure all that stuff out? Yeah, I think everybody wants something different. I Um, understand. And you have to kind of try to balance it so that other people's mixes aren't getting, you know, in the way of your mix. I mean, in Days Away, I remember being like, I can never hear my my vocals like i could never hear this the band is way too loud and um it's funny i just broke out the amp that i always use it's this marshall jcm 800 Mm -hmm. and i plugged it in and it's no wonder i couldn't hear anything this thing is the loudest amp i've ever heard (laughs) in my life and like i i like played it a little bit i was like i can't do this like uh, maybe like i'm just too old or something but (laughs) It's so loud. There's like, there's no reason for me to have this thing anymore because I don't want to do that. It's like, it's like not good for your ears, but this thing on like between zero and one is too loud. And so then like the rest of the band has to try to get over that, you know? Yeah. It's not. not I I have a uh, JCM, a hundred watt JCM 800 half stack sitting 10 feet from me. And, uh, you know, oh yeah, I haven't used it in about two years, but. I don't want to sell it either because I'm hoping that I'll play again one day. Yeah, I ca- I keep mine because I'm I'm always like, well, if days away ever wants to play, then I have this really loud amp. Exactly, and I always regret selling gear, so I really, really just try to never do it anymore. I've never sold something and been happy about it ever. Uh, I have. I sold um, uh, this Rickenbacker that I used to have to uh help pay for this uh Korg Triton mm-hmm. keyboard and that kind of started days away doing all all kinds of like trippy stuff yeah that and maybe psychedelic drugs <laughs> <laughs> uh yes okay so you're in California you're playing now help me with uh, the discography we have the EP and we have the classic is it 2006 album mapping an invisible world yeah, 2005. 2005. Okay, yeah. And, now, I remember hearing this thing for the first time, and I was just like, wow. Now, here's a question for you. 
why wasn't this album much bigger? <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, well, there's a lot of reasons. Um, so, I mean, the music is great. Yes. that And my point in asking that is all the elements are there. It sounds great. There's catchy songs. It's accessible. It's on a great label. It just seems like everything is there. So lay it on us. Uh, well, we were all wild, you know, um, uh, pretty much smoking weed all the time and, <laughs> you know, underage kids drinking and, you know, uh, a few of us were, um, you know, pretty much just willing to take whatever was around and just wild. And I don't think that's good for longevity, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, so there was a lot of that. And I think we had a reputation of just being hard partying, you know, a hard partying band. Mm. Uh, and then I I had no idea because like, I would have been like, yo, let's get down, man, because that, that, that was my whole deal. <laughs> okay, so let me, uh, okay, I'll, I'll explain it to you. So we, okay, when we were out um, in California and we had the EP, mm-hmm. we were doing well. And we were playing shows with um, a bunch of drive through bands that ended up getting really big, you know, something corporate, Finch, Starting Line, uh, other bands that weren't on drive through Recover. Uh, I think Midtown, there's a, like all those kinds of bands that like pop punk. Yes. Bands. And, um, and we started touring with them. And then once like the possibility of an actual record deal was like being talked about, I just started getting this feeling like I needed to make something like, like really, really great, you know, mm-hmm. like, like better than anything I've ever made. And, I need as much help as I possibly can to do that. So that's when I asked Tim to actually join the band mm-hmm. um, because I had always been jamming with him, not in days away, but doing all this cool, weird, trippy stuff. And he, and I don't know if you know his, I mean, you hear his drumming on that record, but it's incredible. Yes. And I just wanted to have everything be at the highest level I could get it to. Um so we he ended up joining the band and he was a, a very hard partying person you know yes and um before we made the record another guy named Brian Gula joined the band who was playing keys and they him and Tim were best friends and they were wild i was wild with them um but i was sort of in the middle like i liked to party but then I also like didn't want to go so huge. You, know? you don't get too deep because you've seen it. You've seen that happen to other people before, and you're like, "All right, I know what my limits are." Yeah, I- yeah. But I also went really big, so like I'm I'm not trying to play that down because you know I was definitely partying along with them. But the three of us, and I mean, Chris was always Chris Rangeseta was always keeping it chill. Mm-hmm. Matt Austin also. Um, and I think, you know, it was, it was like the combination of me, Tim and Brian, that kind of, it, it got a little wild. Did, did Brian, <laughs> did Brian play in heinous anus for a little bit? He did. He yeah. played bass. Okay. Yeah. He's a really, really good bass player. <laughs> He's a, an incredible musician. Yeah. 
He's really. I just remember watching every time I watch Heinous Anus, I was like, "How are all these dudes so fucking good?" Like everybody was like amazing at their instrument in that band. It was like fucking unreal. Yeah, well, that would be that was a reason why I wanted him to be in the band. Well, I wanted some cool keyboards in there, and at the time, I heard um, some stuff that he was making on his own with just you know a piano, and so I was like, "Oh, I'll just ask him if he'll come over and put some keys in." you know, in one, some of these songs that we have demoed and it ended up being really cool. We were just layering a bunch of keyboards. And once we got the record deal, I basically just, I I begged him to be in the band. Yeah. Everyone in that band is super talented. And with the, with the partying, could you like dial it back? Were there like, could you make the decision on a weekend and be like, no, I'm not going to drink tonight or I'm not going to do this or that? Yes. Yeah. Now, see, that is incredible, too. Again, smart decision-making. I, The only thing that ever could stop me was lack of funds, or if I had to, or if I happened to be in a relationship that I cared about, I would, like, try to hold it together. Um, work, too, you know? Yeah. yeah, I think part of it for me was uh, I was trying to hang with Tim and Gula, mm-hmm. like, because I thought they were great and I love them as people. So I was trying to hang with the way they could party. I just couldn't really. I, dude, I I did the same thing. I with Anthony, I could like I would party with him on the weekends, and I would be like, all right, I gotta like chill out for like a month. Like I, can't, <laughs> I I gotta take a gigantic break from this because I feel like there was a couple times where he came up to visit me in college, and I remember going to bed and then waking up the next morning, and he was still awake, and I was like. Do you go to bed? And he's like, yeah, for a little bit. I fell asleep for a little bit. And I'm like, holy shit, dude. Like, like uh, how? Like, I don't understand. Like, I watched you like booze all night and party all night. And he's like, yep, that's why I'm still up. <laughs> you know what? That's a solid answer, sir. Fuck, man. Like, I, you can't you can't argue with logic like that. Like, but it, it was always for me. Like, I, I just felt. I, I I hate to say like it almost felt like psychosis. Like I almost felt like I was kind of losing part of myself when I went that far in. I was like, I, and that's when you drink more <laughs> to kill that feeling, dude. Mm-hmm. Come on, I got to teach you everything. Yeah, I was gonna say I need to I need to learn. Uh, but yeah, I think that was a, a large part of it. Like when you're, I can totally empathize with that, Keith. Like when you're around other people that are partying that hard, you're like, there's that attempt to keep up and then when i've been in several situations where you have that moment of like oh no (laughs) it this is i i i took too much i did too much and then i'm somewhere far away from my house with strangers and i'm like oh no like i'm in big trouble like and panic sets in for some people, that panic never sets in. Like they, <laughs> they, 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 they relish that. They're like, "Dude, this is fucking wild. Look at how crazy this is." And it's like, "Don't you see how dangerous we are? <laughs> this is like the worst yeah. situation in the world." <laughs> I would forget that not everyone is me, and the people would drop like flies or end up in the hospital, or they would just be in bad shape. And I was like, "Oh right, uh, not everyone has the same constitution as me. The profession, because I'm." I, Sadly, getting fucked up was like the only thing I put most of my energy into. You know, like I at the age of 20, I made the decision like I'm going to get fucked up. That's going to be my thing. 
Yeah, it's it's um I've seen it happen. Yeah. A bunch. I just didn't I didn't have a real high high tolerance with drinking mm-hmm. and I never really liked um opiates. Right. Um so like it it just didn't like them. And so like, you know, I've always been a weed smoker. In high school with all those guys, like we definitely experimented and tried pretty much everything, you mm-hmm. know? It's just um I had a streak probably in 11th, 12th, and maybe like a year or two after high school where I just was like, you know, still trying to hang in there. But after that, at some point I was just like, yeah, this is not going to, not going to end well. Did you, (laughs) I was going to say, Keith, you, you may have had this experience. Did you find that like your perspective on like going out and like partying and stuff like that changed when you had kids? Uh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, again, again, I kind of like made a, like a conscious effort not to do, uh, you know, the stuff that we were doing in days away when days away was ending. I was just like, okay, either I can go down that way or get my shit together. And I chose to try to get my shit together. Um, and you know, even then I was still like, you know, having a little bit of fun here and there, but, um, yeah, I mean, once I had kids, it started, it changed from, okay, it's not all about what I can do to have fun. It's about what can I do for them. Yeah. You know, it's, it's a huge thing as I, that's one of the reasons like, um, like I, I'm not going to sit here and say like, I'm a AA guy and like, I, you know, like I go to the program and I'll like, you know, go to meetings and stuff like that. But I slowed down significantly when I had kids specifically because nothing was worse than waking up hungover and having to be a parent because it's, yeah. it, it makes, it's the worst feeling in the world because not only are you hungover, but what makes it 10 times worse is you feel like you're disappointing your kids. Like you're like, all right, I should be on the floor playing with you guys, you know, like doing something like whatever it is, like, you know, taking you guys to the park or something like that. And I'm like, in the bathroom with a cold washcloth on my head being like, okay, just breathe. <laughs> like, yep. You're not going to throw up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's been an interesting journey. I, I have a girlfriend. We've been together just under a year and she has a 14 year old daughter. And just, I've been so alone most of my life, like hyper-focused on only what I want to do. Um, and you know, drugs and alcohol isolated me from everybody for a long time. So it's like, I stopped and pretty much picked up where I left off when when I was 20 years old. So just learning to think about other people has been a challenge. Like when I started hanging out with my girlfriend, like I'd buy, I'd run downstairs and buy myself food and like come back and eat. And she'd be like, what's wrong? What? Do you, and I'd be like, what? I'm, and I'm like, Oh, right. There's other people like even <laughs> stuff like that. I had to learn. And like the other day, like my credit card was like, Hey, you have to buy something with this or we're, we're going to cancel it. And I'm like, oh, I don't want that to happen. So I'm like, all right, what do I want? And then I was like, wait, dude, get get something for her. <laughs> yeah. So I was like, I was like, here, get something on this. And she's like, what? And I'm like, just just do it. Yeah, it it's it's definitely uh it throws you into a weird mindset. But I think the thing is, is that uh at least with me, like the more I lean into that, the better I feel. I I feel oh, yeah. like it. Yeah. It's such a like now, like the, the biggest thing is like when I get up, I get up early in the morning to go to the skate park because I want to spend the morning with my daughters when I get back. So like yes. I'm done skating at eight fifteen, eight thirty, 
because I want to go and play lacrosse with Eleanor and I want to go take the dog for a walk with Evie. Like I want to spend time with the baby and you know what I mean? Like it's just, um, it's that shift in priorities is definitely a very cool thing when you embrace it rather than try to like push it away because the more you push it away, the more it's like, it's self-defeating. Like you really, you, you end up feeling like shit because you're not doing what you feel like you should be doing in the first place. And on top of that, it's like, you know, you have these little people that are just like, all they want to do is spend time with you. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. That's their, they they just want to, they want your attention and they want your time. And it's like, dude, I have that in abundance. I have all like that. If I'm just okay, you have me all day. Like, yeah, and that's that's where you want to be. I don't want to go back to oh my God. sitting in a dark basement, getting high and watching Cheers on Netflix. Like, <laughs> I all yeah. right, it 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 seemed fun at the time, but now that I see what else is possible, I can't go back. Yeah, you know. So Keith, uh, so we're in days away. We're partying hard. The LP is out now. I I remember playing a show with you guys in my first band. It was in 2006, I think, uh, at the Kyber. And I was like, oh, awesome. I'm playing with Days Away. They're a good band because, I don't know, I there were aspects about the band I wasn't happy about, and we just never seemed to get on shows with bands that I wanted. So I was like, finally, a band I really dig, a good show, the Kyber, this is it. And w- we would sometimes attract a, a, a kind of rowdy crowd who wanted to make the show about themselves which i didn't love and i remember we were playing and guys were like jumping up on stage and like mooning the audience and i just got really pissed off and like kicked one of them off the stage and you know (laughs) and i remember afterwards someone was like wow you looked really mad you kicked that guy off the stage i was like i was mad you know but it was a it was an awesome show and i took i took any chance i could to see you guys because i really dug uh that lp and the band thanks man yeah so like when we when we signed that record deal, we had a manager um, at the time who was managing other bands that were successful. So we were like, oh, this is cool, you know? And right about when that record was going to come out, um, I started getting calls from people at the label mm-hmm. basically saying, listen, I can't tell you what to do here. I can tell you that I haven't heard from your manager uh, uh, like about a plan of any sort. I keep asking, um, do you have any idea what your plan is for when this record comes out? And that started me kind of feeling very nervous that uh, maybe uh, our rep, uh, you know, the guy representing us um, wasn't doing a good job, you know? And so, I think, you know, yeah, we were partying hard, but I think also the big learning experience there was um, that good management can really help a band uh, become successful Yes, um, with planning, you know, and connections, but uh, planning, you know, and trying to get the band organized and we just weren't. And it, and because of those conversations and, well, maybe not because of those conversations, but after I started thinking like, oh, you know, do we have the right representation? Um, and we ended up getting rid of that manager shortly after the record came out. 
And then it was just kind of like, I don't even know how to find another manager. You know, I, I don't, I don't know who to call right now. And did I, you get any kind of explanation why the guy just disappeared? No, I just, I, all I heard from the label was he keeps saying he's going to get, deliver us some, uh, you know, a calendar, some sort of plan. And, and we're never, we never get one, Fuck. you know, uh, and, you know, as a, you know, 20-year-old, 21-year-old who, you know, hasn't really taken any business seriously, it was just like, all right, I'm going to make the coolest thing I can. I'm going to have fun. I'm going to play shows. And this is the, you know, live in the rock and roll dream. And, you know, there's so much more to it that I wasn't thinking about. And when that stuff started happening, after we got rid of him, the label is like, well, we can't micromanage you guys. You guys need to find somebody who can, you know, help you guys. And it was like a good long year that we didn't have any management. And it just, stuff was, everything was just going wrong, you know? Mm. Um, and, uh, you know, we tried to keep, we tried to keep going and we tried to like, you know, uh, play the best shows that we could and hit up friends for tours. And um, eventually it was just like, oh, we need to management or this is not going to work. We weren't making a ton of money and uh, we were you know, going on away on tour for months at a time and coming back with a couple hundred bucks each, which is not sustainable. And, right. uh, and you know, I think part of that is because we didn't have anybody guiding us, you know, trying to help us get really good merchandise and, you know, setting us up and um, encouraging us to make good business decisions on the road. You know, mm -hmm. I, I think that's one of those things that as like, as a 20 year old, you don't have that. Cause it, even just thinking about this, like as an, like I, I can look back at now as an adult, but like just thinking about like how much money is tied up in the band in general, like between merch, all of the, the, the stuff that you guys have in terms of your musical, this is, you have a $500,000 plus business that you are supposed to be running and there's nobody at the helm. Like, yeah, you know, and it's scary to think because if you don't get the right management, you could have someone that's taking advantage of you. You could have someone that's you're doing what, what happened to you guys, which is like is just not mismanaging you and being like, yeah, we'll just we'll, you know, you know, kind of fly by the seat of your pants shit. And it's like, dude, this isn't fucking working. And yeah. it's kind of the last thing you want to hear is it, like, you know, like I want to make art and then somebody be like. Yeah, there's also a ton of commerce involved in this, so you better wrap your head around that, like right the fuck now. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? It, it's yeah. it's really hard, especially as it like you know a twenty year old. Like that's a that's a horrific thing to think because you think it's all like, oh, this is just us playing music and having a great time. And then when I was twenty one, the only thing I was thinking about was going to the Great American Diner and drinking seventeen Long Island iced teas and like trying to score drugs. Mm-hmm. That was it. Yeah. 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 And there was other shit I wanted to do, but there was not much of a chance of it happening. <laughs> yeah, I mean it was it was definitely stressful for me because I was the one always kind of dealing with people outside of the band, you know, yeah. the, the band leader or whatever. So um and I just didn't know what to do. I felt kind of lost. And 
I didn't know other managers. And I think at that point, because we had a sort of reputation for being hard partying, a hard partying group of dudes, um, you know, finding a good manager was not easy for us. And then what ended up happening was um, I got asked to do those Sound of Animals fighting shows. Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. And Kathy Pillow was there who runs Sergeant House. And she basically saved me. Oh, dude, that's Because she was just like, hey, I'll manage you guys. And I was just like, please. And just, <laughs> uh, um, and she was such an awesome manager. And she just loved, she loves everything that she works on. And like with a passion, you know, mm-hmm. and just has great ideas and keeps it real. And just like, like, it was just awesome and at that point the band was already like hurt badly so we tried to hang in there we made an ep with her but shortly after that it's just you know i think brian gula was like i gotta go back to college and i was just like all right well i'm just gonna be done then and around what year was that 2007 well so that was it yeah so it was a lot of uh you know grinding in between them you know 2005 when the record came out and we just tried to tour and um you know make it work by playing shows and it just it wasn't it it wasn't going so the band is done you're still living in california yes no actually after the first nationwide tour we did Mm -hmm. we all kind of said let's move back home because why pay you know X amount of money for this house when we're not planning on being here. Right. So we all moved home. I, we were in California for almost a year. Mm-hmm. And then, and that's how quick it happened. And then um, we all moved home and just kind of stayed on the road for a few years. Oh, okay. And that's when I moved to South Philly, when we moved home. So what what comes after that? Now, did you think like I want to keep doing music or I want to go back to school? What what was the plan? Uh, well, Kathy started seeing that everything was kind of falling apart, so she started encouraging me to do like a solo acoustic thing. Mm-hmm. Um, so I that's when I recorded I recorded a, an acoustic version of God and Mars. Mm-hmm. I love that and, song so much. Yes. That's the opening track on mapping. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Um, thank you. Yeah, so she was encouraging me to do that, but I wasn't really confident in myself uh being like a solo artist. Mm-hmm. But I had met um Dan Schwartz, who was in Good Old War. I had met him in the city and I thought and I so I think it was Tim was playing in this band. And unlikely cowboy and they asked me to record some acoustic demos for him and i i heard his guitar playing i was like mm, that's really good i i don't know anybody who plays acoustic like that you know and um so when she, she was trying to get me to do something like that i was like well i don't really want to do that but i'll i do know a guy that i could you know start making some music with that would be acoustic and um you know, make me feel a little bit more confident getting in front of people. And obviously I, I, I just have like a lot of love for Tim Arnold. He's like my brother. And so I wanted him to, 
you know, I didn't want to just bail on him. Um, so I asked him to come too. So Kathy basically was like, I'll help you do whatever you want to do, you know? So that started good old war. Um, I wrote a bunch of songs, got together with Dan. He had a bunch of songs and we worked it out. And basically I went to it, into it saying, listen, we're going to do the opposite. You know, there's going to be like little part, you know, very little partying. Uh, we're going to be very agreeable and easy to work with. And, mm-hmm. uh, you know, so when we go on tour, people like us and they want to take us on tour again or recommend us, you know, to other people. And so we basically set out to do the opposite of what Days Away did. That's another smart decision. <laughs> See, there you go. Because, yeah, I've been in bands where, uh, there was hard partying. I've been in bands where I'm like puking in a trash can between songs. And then I've been in bands where I had my shit together, but I was like trying to control everything and orchestrate everything. And, you know, like I've come to a point now where I'm not puking in trash cans anymore. And I don't feel the need to try to control everything necessarily. Like Tommy and I just had a conversation recently with this podcast, like, we don't want anything to get in the way of the friendship and we want this to be fun. And if any of those two things aren't happening, then that's going to be it. But we also have to have standards. Like we also have to make sure that we're like, we're producing every week we're coming in ready. Like, and it's a lot of times, like, especially with us, like the big thing that we've been doing since, you know, we started this is we're consistent. Like we are consistently, doing what we need to do. Um, and I think a large part of like what Keith and I got into on last week's episode was like, look, like there's sometimes where like the sound sounds like shit on my end because, (laughs) and it was, it was like literally like, you know, there was noise in the background or there's something happening or, um, you know, and it was just this thing that like, it made Keith's life a living nightmare to have to fucking edit something that would, you know, normally take, three, four hours is now taking seven, eight, nine, ten hours because he's got to like isolate my track every single time because there's this awful noise in the background when I'm not speaking. And it's like yep. the, to be able to be honest with people and say like, look, this is, is making a problem for us. I think is one of the reasons that we've maintained the friendship is because we're like, look, dude, this is cool that we're doing this and we're having fun. But at the same time, like we have to do that. Like people are like, you know, paying attention. Like, so like we got to fucking make sure it's, and Keith was like super honest about it. It was like, look, we got to make sure it's consistent. And when you're coming in and it's not ready and it's, there's too many problems, it's like, we got to get our shit together. Meaning, yeah. <laughs> meaning Tom, Tommy, get your shit together. <laughs> <laughs> man, I feel like an asshole now. Oh, you sh- no, 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 no. Cause it's the, it, but it's the reality of it is like, you know, like there was an entire episode where like I, you know, because I was using the Apple headphones and I was using the mic that's on there, like I hadn't shaved in like a week. So it's like scratching the whole time up against Ooh. the foot. You know what I mean? Like it's stupid little shit like that, that I'm just not even paying attention to. But like when Keith goes to do all the editing, it's like, it's, this is a nightmare for him. Like, it's so shitty on my part. But like the fact that we're friends, he was able to come up to me and be like, dude, this is making it really hard. Like we need to fix this. So, but uh, it's not just you, because I've had mic problems before. And on a on a more positive note, I checked the calendar today. We've been weekly since March 9th. Yeah. Every week. Yeah. Cool. Can you believe that, Keith? That's awesome. Yeah. It's I didn't 
I think I bit off more. Well, I bit off a lot, not more than I can chew. But I wanted to make this thing weekly because I don't know. I like podcasts because, you know, when I had no friends and I was just completely isolated and, you know, in the throes of addiction and all that stuff, you know, podcasts were like they were my friends. Like, it was like having company there, and I want yeah. this show to be that kind of thing, too. So we check in every week, we have guests and friends and conversations every week, and it's like it's like a hangout. Yeah. Yeah, I I, um, I think that's smart. I, th- I think if anybody's going to start a podcast and not do it that way, um, their chances of having it succeed are not as great. Exactly. It's got to be consistent. You know exactly when this thing is coming. And that's it. We're going to be there. Unless, uh, I don't know, I lose my voice or something? (laughs) Yeah. So let's talk about Good Old War. When did the first album come out? Uh, 2008. Basically, as soon as Days Away ended, I went straight to work trying to get this thing to happen. Yeah. And um, Anthony actually was a big help because... As soon as we started doing this, he asked us to come uh, help with Avalon. And so we played a lot of the music on Avalon. And then he asked us to come on tour as Good Old War opening and playing as his band. And after that, we had a built-in fan base, uh, you know, a few hundred people coming out to every show. And that definitely kick-started Good Old War. Oh, that's awesome. I remember... uh... (laughs) That was the last time I ran into you before the skate park, Keith. Was uh, there's a really shitty, blurry picture. We should, I should find it. We could put it up on the Instagram post of you and I at at Anthony's wedding. It is a horrific. One. Like both, you can see both of us are not in in good shape at that point. <laughs> <laughs> it's like one of those really obvious ones. I'm like, oh boy. Uh, oh, we got to find that. Picture I, have, for I sure. have it. It's 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 definitely on my on my hard drive for sure because I remember looking through it and it was a, that was when I was good about organizing photos before we had kids. And there's literally a a, a folder. I, I'll find it. That's called Anthony's wedding. And I remember, okay. I remember I showed up and I was like, all right, this is gonna be fun. And we're having a good time. And I uh, had so much to drink. So Keith, uh, Tommy told a story on this show that he was at that wedding and he didn't remember who you were. Well, what do you think of that? Um, well, it's sad a little <laughs> bit, uh, but I remember that I like, I didn't recognize him because I, re- I remembered you being like a real, like kind of skinny looking, like real like small dude and right? you were like looking all jacked yeah like, what you're tommy yeah i uh yeah, tommy looks like a cop now like if he, he like what uh, what you imagine a stereotypical cop to look like a hundred percent and it's yeah. such a it and it's like literally uh and i <laughs> i teach in trenton and one of the kids was a new transfer student and he was like Hey, I know you. And I was like, no, I, I, I'm hardly ever like, I, I have you been to school before? And he's like, no, 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 no. Um, you work for the community outreach thing. I'm like, no. And he's like, yeah, you do. Like, and they're like, one of the girls stepped in and was like, yeah, there's a, a guy who's like one of the, they call them interrupters. Like the people that get involved with like the gang task force. <laughs> and apparently yeah. he looks exactly like me. 
<laughs> she's like no nah, that's some other ball jacked up dude i'm like oh yeah yeah that's probably yeah i guess i we i could totally see that and then the girl was like yeah you look exactly like him though like if i didn't she's like if i didn't know you from being ma- like a, a math teacher here like i would definitely think like that's you oh really damn you're a cop yeah so 100%. one more revelation that took place while we were setting up keith are you ready for this Tommy said he buys his clothes at Costco. <laughs> now, first of all, I didn't even know they had clothing at Costco. Well, and second of all, t- Tommy... It's the whole middle section of the place. Tommy, what are you doing? Uh, I don't care. Uh, <laughs> I've always been a, like, uh, you know khakis and plain t-shirt kind of guy i guess i'm feeding into this cop thing like i don't like it yeah because my tie-in here is even when like you you look like you're dressing like an undercover cop I, like you're trying you're trying to assimilate into the crown yeah i i have had that happen a couple times where um like i'll be at the skate park in the morning and somebody will be like wow i didn't think you could actually skate i'm like why <laughs> They're like you just don't look like a skateboarder i'm like oh I'm sorry. <laughs> I didn't realize. <laughs> and here I'm making fun of you, but like I, I've been wearing the same black thermal shirt for, for like 18 days in a row. <laughs> <laughs> you know what, though? I think the other thing is with like uh, I became like I, I, I don't know if this is like kind of plays into it, but like I became super conscientious about spending money. Um, yeah. And that was one of the things that I was like, well. I used to buy um, skate like jeans from like skateboarding companies and stuff like that. And anybody who's bought skateboarding clothes, you know, like a pair of jeans are going to run you 75, 80 bucks and they fall apart just like the same jeans you get at fucking Walmart. Like they, they, they get shredded, they get ripped up. They like, there's no difference in anything. And I think I gave up that, like, I need to look cool. <laughs> yeah, no, that's understandable. Cause you have a family too, but uh, every Every couple years, I'll spend like a couple grand on clothing, and then that'll be it till you know two or three years later. That's that's kind of my cycle. What about you, Keith? What are your go-to designers? Okay, so I don't think I, I actually last weekend or the weekend before that was the first time I put actual pants on in like <laughs> th- two years. Really, I like wearing sweats all the time. Oh, wow. Uh, alternative apparel sweats. And uh, one of the perks of uh, being in a band is sometimes you get free stuff from um, brands like alternative apparel. There you go. Oh, that that's great. You probably get... Now, here's a band uh, ethics question. If you're on tour, I don't know how I learned this behavior, but back in the day, I would like ask the other bands on tour if I could get a shirt, and I would maybe offer them one of the shirts I was selling, is that okay? Or yeah. do we do we look down on that? No, that's okay. Okay, good. Because I always think about, like, I think about random shit I did 15 years ago and I get embarrassed and that's one of them. No, that's like a really fun part about, you know, connecting with other bands is you can, you know, share merchandise and stuff. Everybody wants a fresh shirt every once yes. in a while on tour, you know? That's good. Okay. So let's talk more about Good Old War. Now, you're touring with Anthony Green, right? You're doing your own thing and opening, and that's awesome. And tying back to Bucks County and the Northeast scene, that's another thing that I really love is just 
all the connections, all the great bands that come out. I mean, you've got This Day Forward, you've got Days Away, you've got Audience of One. Uh, Keith, you hooked you hooked up Anthony with, with Sayosin, right? I was there, but um, it's kind of a funny story. Uh, at, at that house in California, uh, the bow was uh, over the house with um, with other friends and um, a buddy of ours was out visiting from here. Mm-hmm. Um, this guy, Mike Dufresne and um, Bo was asking if we knew any singers and I had the CDs I had brought with me were uh, Halfway to Holland, Heinous Anus and audience of one i think like we're mm-hmm. like the local ones that i had in my cd booklet and so i was like mike Dufresne brought up anthony and i had it so we started playing it for him and he was loving it and we stopped and he's like this is awesome and i was like yeah i wouldn't have this guy be your singer <laughs> and, and he's like why i was like well because as long as i've known him every time i see him He's like in a new band. He quit that other band because uh, he like doesn't like the guys in the band or something like that. Like you just always seem like, oh fuck those guys. I started a different band. I'm in I'm in a different band now. Yeah. So I was like basically <laughs> like, yeah, he will quit your band. It's just yeah, no, you don't want that guy. And he's the best. You know, like he's definitely the most entertaining. He has a great voice and the best lyrics. And like yeah. hands down, my favorite out of everybody in this area, you know, growing up. Yeah. But he'll quit your band. And so he didn't listen to me, which is awesome. And I'm so happy he didn't listen to me. (laughs) But then Anthony quit his band. So I was like, yeah, (laughs) that, that is incredible. (laughs) That's, that's such an accurate depiction of him though. (laughs) He would just be like, I remember him starting bands. Like when I was in college, I'd be like, what are you doing right now? And he'd be like, I'm with these guys, but fuck them. And I'm like, really? Like you you only like practice with them like three times. He's like, yeah, fuck those dudes. I don't fucking care. And I'm like, yeah. Cause, he was an audience. He was an audience of one. Then suddenly he was in that band Jeer at Rome oh, yeah. with uh, with Luke and and Mike, and then all of a sudden he was out of that band, and then he was in Zola for a minute, and then High and, and Driving. Then, yeah, Timmy. I, I think even... Timmy played drums on High and Driving. He did because that's the one time I remember uh, when Anthony played it for me. I was like, I can't find the drum beat. Like because that's how because <laughs> Timmy's so good, and it's just yeah. it's like it's just like holy shit like i can't i can't even follow along with it it's so fucking awesome if you don't know that song like go look up high and driving baby girl the fucking drumming on that is unbelievable it's very cool so keith did bo ever come back and be like you were right i was wrong (laughs) no i think everybody's happy that he didn't yeah or that he did get anthony out there because they made really great music and then Anthony made a lot of really great music after that. So right, you know. and the Seosin that that first EP is classic, and all the other songs that leak out, like they just posted another one, Mookie's Last Christmas, and oh, yeah. like they're they're awesome. Like they're yeah. all really good. Yeah. So you know what the you know what the joke is on Mookie's Last Christmas? Do you, do you, what? It's so <clears throat> Anthony had when we were growing up. Anthony had a Jack Russell Terrier named Mookie. The running joke at Anthony's house was Anthony's older brother, Michael, has a really, really dry, sarcastic sense of humor. Mm-hmm. And he would make toasts at Christmas dinner. Um, 
that were like wildly inappropriate. So like I remember because I had like my family all split on Christmas. So Christmas Eve was the big thing at my house. So Christmas Day, I would sometimes go to Anthony's house. And I remember Anthony's house on Christmas Day, his grandmother, um, Anthony's mom, his whole family is sitting around the dinner table. And Anthony's brother stands up with a glass of wine and goes, "Um, I just want to make a cheer right now. This is like just uh, just recognize, you know, everybody's here and we're family and this really heartfelt thing. And it keeps going on and on. He goes, all right, everybody clink your glasses now for, uh, it's Nan's last Christmas. And his grandmother is sitting at the fucking table. And I'm like, holy (laughs) shit. Like, and she's like looking around, like confused, like what is happening right now? And then one of the other toasts was, this is Mookie's like that became the running joke. It's Mookie's last Christmas because that dog lived till I think he was 21 years old. So, well, yeah. So it became one of the running jokes was that let's make a toast for Mookie's <laughs> Mookie's last Christmas <laughs> because awesome. the dog's going to die. <laughs> so but what I was saying, just the number of connections you got this day forward, you got audience of one, you got days away, good old war forms and joins forces with Anthony. Colin's brother was in days away. Anthony starts Circus Survive with Colin. Everyone's working together. It's just, you know, the number of great musicians who came from the area and continued to work together is just astounding. Now, Keith, you said you did some shows with Sound of Animals Fighting. Did you, were you on some of the original shows back in the day? Yeah. What did you do? I sang. I had a song on, uh, the album Lover, the Lord Has Left Us. Mm-hmm. Um, and I sang some of the harmonies on some of Anthony's songs. So when they went to go do the shows, I think he really just was pushing for me to be there, like sort of as support, like a friend to be there, and also to kind of take care of like backup vocals and stuff. Mm-hmm. So I sang my song and I sang backup vocals uh, for some of his songs. So were you on stage the whole time? No. I okay. was on stage for like four songs. Okay. Because I was going to say, if you're there the whole time, it would be hard to figure out what to do when you're not singing. What mask did you wear? I did not wear a mask. Oh. Okay. But that, that you, I was at the shows, that first DVD that they made, that those were the shows I was at. And you teamed up with them once again, right? When they played some shows, I think, two years ago? Yep. Yeah. So how was that? It's the best. Yeah. I love uh Days Away did some touring with the RX Bandits and there's a bunch of members from that band and Sound of Animals Fighting. Obviously Anthony is like one of my best friends and I love spending time with him. Uh Charlie Adams who helped Days Away get off the ground, he was there um managing the band, so that was great to be with him. Uh I just love those guys. And it's like so fun and positive and nobody's like, it's not uh, when you're in a band with people and you do it all the time and you grind and tour all over the place all the time, you kind of get like, you start to get to know everybody really well and you're not sure about some people or there's drama or, you you know, there's business that you got to take care of. But that's always just straight up fun where (laughs) you're just going to play a show. The show's awesome and rocking and, and you go do it again. And then, you know, the first couple shows, I think it was like a week of shows or something. And then uh, this last one was like a couple weekends or a few weekends. I think it was a month, the, every weekend for a month. Um, and at the end, it's like, oh, man, I wish we could do that a lot more. 
Yeah, that sounds like a lot of fun. I I was supposed to go to one of those shows, but I was traveling, and actually the guy still owes me money for the ticket, so I'm going to track him down. There you go. Yeah. That's one thing we're going to get done on this podcast. Get paid. That's right. <laughs> trying to get paid. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know... Uh oh, there's another new band that you have. Uh I think Anthony is a part of that too, right? The Fan Wild Fan Wild. Yeah, let's talk about that. Now I think I think you should see like how many bands you can form with Anthony and members of Good Old War and and like get on one show. Yeah, we did that. We did a whole tour <laughs> where it was Fan Wild, Good Old War and Anthony Green. Played all night. <laughs> and then like throw Circus Survive on there. And then, like, a Days Away reunion. Yeah, I would love that. Dude, I would so go to that. That'd be so cool. Speaking of, uh, do you, is there ever a chance of a Days Away show happening again? Yeah, I think it should. I think about it a lot. I actually wanted to do it um, on my birthday this year, but uh, COVID happened. Oh. So did you have anything else in the pipeline before, uh, before the virus hit? Um, no, I just was working, I've just been working on stuff with Rob, um, at the shed and that kind of got put on hold for months and we just started up again a few weeks ago. Did you have to get a COVID test? No, but I still wear a mask over there. Um, and so does he, just cause, uh, I don't, I mean, I did get a COVID test at some point, but not to play music. Did you get the nasal test? Yeah. Yo, it's messed up, isn't it? Now, for someone who's put a lot of things up his nose, never, <laughs> never quite that far. Yeah, it was. It, it really hurt. Yeah, it was rough. All right, so you're so you're working on music with Rob. There might be a Days Away show again one day. That's good news. Now, where do you? What are you thinking? Would it be like a tour or just a show, or do you think you'd ever do another record? Well, I was thinking it would just be a show or two. Yeah, like on the East Coast, maybe Philly and New York, and then if those went well, possibly Southern California. That's um, good, and that would be. I just think it would be fun. I, I don't really want to do it to like tour and you know make money from it. I just kind of want to, if we can all like have a bunch of fun playing shows and get people out to it, that would be. Um, it would just be fun. Yeah. Yeah, that's the way to do it, you know? You do a couple shows, and then that's it. Yeah. If we could get shows happening in Southern California and then just all be in a house and hang out and, you know, go to the beach, and that would be fun. Oh, yeah, absolutely. So what else is going on? What do you what do you have coming up? Mm, yeah, I don't really have anything planned. I'm just trying to stay creative over here. And, uh you know, help other people with their music too. I've been writing with other people and producing uh, some stuff for other people. Um, But yeah, no touring plans, definitely no touring plans. And yeah, I don't really know what's going to happen. Yeah, that's the thing, because tours keep getting rescheduled and they're just getting canceled at this point. Um, And it's it's the frustrating thing with work too, because, you know, I'm on these sales calls and they're like, figure out a specific plan of what we're going to do. And I'm like, I don't know, like, you know, and, and I can't say I don't know, but it's like, you know, three months from now, everything could be shut down again. Like, it's, I, I don't know. You just got, you just got to come up with a plan and, and, 
and hope it works. And, you know, we were talking to Brendan from Circa, and he said that you got to, or I'm sorry, we were talking to Steve Clifford from Circa, and he says that you got to reschedule the tour so that you can hold the venue dates because there's other bands that want to come through. And then, you know, then it gets canceled again because the virus is still happening. And who knows when things are actually going to open back up again. Yeah, you know, it's funny is that um, I, I, I guess right after the last tour Good Old War did, which is like two years ago, mm-hmm. um, maybe even longer, uh, we just decided we were going to stop playing for a little while. And since then, I just kind of been, I don't really know what I'm going to do next, yeah. but I've been staying busy and... Uh, you know, making money, still making music. So, you know, things have been going okay, but I don't really know like when I'm going to release something, when I'm going to play any shows. Um, I'm always psyched whenever Anthony has something coming up because that gives me something to do. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I just kind of like, I, I, I'm sort of used to being in positions where I don't know what's going to happen next, mm-hmm. you know? So I'm not really worried about it. Well, that sounds terrifying to me because, you know, based on my based on my past, I I need stability. Um I need to know exactly what's happening, hence my hour by hour schedule. And that's I think that's why I never really dove both feet into the world of of music and the arts because I don't know, I've had to fend for myself and and make every dollar count. And I also used to have to spend every dollar on getting fucked up. So, you <laughs> yeah. know, that's kind of where all my money and energy went. So there's, it's, a lot of, it's a lot of factors. Now, when you produce bands, are you actually, like, working with them and you're like, hey, maybe try this instead? Yeah. I mean, I've been working with these girls. It's like an acoustic singer-songwriter duo called Lulanas. And... um I yeah, I just help them kind of get the songs together and then recently because nobody's really get, people haven't really been getting together uh we've just been sending things back and forth um you know through the internet and I'll edit whatever they record at their house and I'll find other musicians to play on it and uh you know play some stuff on there myself and just pretty much just get a recording done, you know. Let's say you know you're right. You know if they do this, it's going to work better for them. Do they just refuse to do it and you'll have to do it their way? Yeah. I mean, there's, the, but there's ways, you know, where you can kind of come up with a compromise, though. You know, so that happens, I'd say, more often than, you know, just settling for something you don't think is good. Right. Because I'm, because of the position I've been in, in days away and in good old war where um i have been in a position where i could make the, a lot of the final decisions on things i've kind of just i'm like i'll push things until they get done you know like so if right. somebody's just like nah, i don't know like well no let's just try it and I'll i'll try to take it as far as i can but when it's Somebody else's music, there's only so so far you can push it until you're like, okay, you know, that's cool. Let's just do that. Right. Plus, they're paying you. I mean, if they really are dead set on something, you, I guess you kind of have to just go with what they say. Yeah, but that, the thing is, you just got to work with people that you, like, really um, 
you know, like and trust and you and you just can add to whatever they're doing. And usually whatever they're doing is you, you want it to come from them and not from me, you know. Right. But right. I can steer them in certain directions and uh, have <laughs> I them. To- uh, I would totally be bad at that because I would just be like, all right, you guys want to ruin it? All right, cool. Let's take this one. Take one. Bad take. Let's go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, with them, like, because it's really sweet, uh, you know, singer songwriter kind of stuff. Um, and so like with them there, there were, you know, maybe a few lines here and there where I'd have to be like, well, you know, if I heard that it would be like, just, mm, I would like, it's not my style, you know what I mean? So if you can, I think communication, like going back to you guys talking about how you got to get the podcast done. If, as long as you can communicate with people and you're not shy about it and you say how you feel, you'll end up making something great you know but if you start to shy away from stuff you know stuff that you believe will make a song better or a performance better uh you know the music will suffer so i think it's a lot a lot of it has to do with just having a conversation absolutely and being open to feedback as well as long as long as it's not contentious and people aren't assholes about it it's certainly possible like when i was in the studio doing my EP with Richie, actually, who recorded it, there was one song where I was singing in a range that I just couldn't do, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, I thought I could do it, and then I was in the studio, and I was like, this isn't working, is it? And he's like, well, you know, try this. And then I tried something else, and that worked, so. Yeah, you know what? When we did Mapping Invisible World with Neil, mm-hmm. it was the first time I had somebody telling me to change what I was doing. And it made me feel really strange. Like I didn't like it, but I also didn't want to be, um, you know, just saying no, mm-hmm. you know? So um, it felt weird having somebody say, well, this doesn't really make much sense. Or, you know, the melody could be better here when I was sitting there thinking like, no, this is like the way I feel. And that's what I wanted to say. But when you, uh, you know, and I felt crazy about it, but Neil had such a like a great way of communicating with me. You know, mm-hmm. he's very calm, a super smart guy, and never got upset, never got heated, um, and just was good at explaining why he thought something could change, and I would try it. And that album is what it is because he was so good at that. You know, and. Um, I learned from there not to be so precious about my ideas and to definitely be open to everybody else's uh, ideas who, yeah, everybody else who's involved because it can be better. Yes. Yeah. And it's great to have a producer on your side who's willing to help you change and grow. You know, do you do you still work with producers today? Like if you're doing a new good old war album, will you have someone giving you input like that? Yeah, I mean, okay, so the the last good old war EP that we did, we made ourselves and I pretty much did all like the engineering and stuff. I Dan did some and I'd put like all the tracks together and um just, you know, did a lot of work, right? But there wasn't that person that was one, you know, once removed from the process to sit back and say, 
no, you should probably do this or that. So it was just the three of us like kind of trying to work it out to a certain point. And it's nice to have somebody outside of that equation to be, you know, sort of not making the final decision, but, you know, somebody that you trust that when they say you, you should just do this, then you go, okay, so that's the tiebreaker right there, you know? Yeah, it's like the challenge of the director also starring in the film. Like, am I doing too many takes? Is this right? Is it not too few? Yeah, or is his idea cool? Or, you know, or is, should it be this way or that? It's just, there's a lot. And I like producing my own stuff. I'll take way too long to do it. That's another problem. Yes. You know? um, but yeah, I like working with producers. Um, just, I just like collaborating with people, you know, like I like taking ideas to somebody um, and having them have opinions on it and hearing them out and trying different things and seeing what's, you know, the best combination. Yeah, and I'm with you on that. Like, this podcast, I like collaborating with people musically because it's hard. I can write a verse and a chorus pretty easily, but I suck at bridges, you know? <laughs> like, I need help putting together the other pieces of the song. And, like, with this podcast, I don't know. I'm I'm not a huge talker. I'm pretty introverted. And Tommy's the other piece of that puzzle. Like, Tommy can talk forever. I can and talk he, yeah, about nothing, too. yeah. Like he can go and he just him being here makes it so much more comfortable for me. And it sounded yep. similar to like Anthony having you out there for the sounds of animals fighting. It's just like it's a friend here to back me up and to help me. Yep. It's it's nice. That that's why I I mean I always love working with Tim because it's just always so positive, you know. We're just like psyched about whatever ideas we're throwing out there and you know ideas are always going to either they're going to stick or they're they're just not going to work but it's fun when you can just bounce these things off of somebody else and 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 you know when you hear the final product you're like yes this is awesome this is it yes and i have to ask because i'm always curious about this it sounds like various members of days away were hard partying at different points did every how did did everyone settle down? Did people kind of get married and just calm down as they got older? Because me, I never calmed down. It, it, you know, there were periods where it would be okay, but things just got worse and worse to the point that I had to really seek help and, and turn things around and just completely stop everything. So, you know, and if, if you can't speak on behalf of other people, just tell us your experience. My experience, I mean, with all the partying is I, I feel like I am fairly experienced and, you know, maybe I didn't, I didn't really get too far out of control. Uh, but yeah, definitely, you know, I know, I, I don't know if I can speak for Tim, but uh, when we started Good Old War and we were saying, hey, we're gonna, this is going to be the opposite of what Days Away was doing. And he was like, yeah, sure. You know, mm -hmm. and then the first time we went to go record music he was too messed up to play you know <laughs> and um so that started like that and for a good eight years i mean i remember like i was dabbling in you know taking a xanax here and there and anytime i'd be like yo you need to chill out tim 
he'd be like, well, you take a Xanax every now and then, you know? And so there was like no way I could be like, okay, uh, you know, like, so I just stopped, you know? So I was like, all right, well, I'm not going to do any of that. So I can try to see, try to get you to not do it. And for like eight years, I tried to help him. I tried to help him manage his addiction. And it was like, it got really bad. And um, he, eventually I had to um, tell his family. Because mm-hmm. he had a he had a daughter and that didn't stop him, um, and it was scaring me, you right. know. And he was in and out of the band, and it just, you know, at some point it was like, you know what? I'm not. I don't even care if he doesn't want to talk to me after this. Like, his family needs to know that he he's, you know, what he's up to, so somebody can help, you, you know, his him and his daughter, you know. Yeah. Because I can't. I tried for a long, and that that was like a a very long learning experience of. I can't help, you know. If somebody has a an addiction problem, if they don't want to get better, they won't, you know. And and you can try to like steer them, and you know the you know try to get them to not do things, or they'll just find a way to do it behind your back, you know. So it's like, um. I think the main thing that I picked up from that whole thing was if there's a problem, you need to be vocal about it and you need to try to get everybody who loves that person to, uh, to try to, you know, talk some sense into them, not just like, you know, the few people who they know already know how to push, you know, push around. Right. So, yeah. And that was my experience too. Nothing was going to stop me. Nothing. And I would have been the same way if I had kids, I would have been, you know, going to get it, I'd be doing it, I'd be seeking it out, like nothing was going to stop me, and nothing did. I I kept up appearances at work to make sure I could afford it, I I tried to make sure everything was in place so that the party would never stop, and that's kind of the way it went. So so how's Tim doing now? He's great. I think he's he's got uh, a few years um, sober, I'm not sure exactly how many years, but a bunch of years. And, you know, I remember when he got sober, he was just kind of like, I don't even know how you're still my friend after all that. But, you know, <laughs> when you when you love somebody like that, you know, it's like I, I understand. I, I was there. So I, I saw it when he was ill, you know, yeah. and uh, it was sad. But, um, you know, you got to stick by people. And you know, I I. I'm sorry that I didn't, you know, say something to his family earlier, you know? That's hard, though, because I, if anyone did that to me, I would have cut them out. In fact, I did, you know, like friends would say, like, that's the funny thing about this thing. Like you were talking about, like, you know, that's like the addict mindset because he's going crazy, but he's like, but you take a Xanax. Like, I remember hanging out with ex-girlfriends and I'd be all fucked. I'd be doing drugs with them and they'd be like, you have a problem. And I'd be like, we're both doing it. Like, what are you? <laughs> I just watched yeah. you do the same drugs as me. Yeah, like, yeah. like <laughs> yeah. we we bought them together. What are you talking about? But like, yeah, but oh, but yeah, I've had that experience too, where friends were like, oh, he's really messed up, and I cut them out completely because I was, in my mind, I was, I had it all together, yeah. and in my mind, people did not see me as an addict. So for that illusion to be broken was, was not cool. And uh, you know, if anything, if anyone had said anything to my family, that. Well, they knew anyway, but I don't know. I, I'm guessing that would have made me mad as well. But yeah, you, you can't you can't stop 
until you want to stop. And thankfully, myself, Tim, and others lived to be able to to get our act together. And I mean, shit, so many people I know have died. Friends, uh, acquaintances, family members, just people I know. Another guy I met a couple times just died recently. Um, It sucks. I don't I don't know. You know, I I started towards the end there, you know, started feeling like I don't want to find him in a hotel room dead. Yeah. Like I just don't want to. Like I can't I like it, when I knew he was doing it and it was like he was saying he wasn't, it was just kind of like I I can't do that. I can't do it. It's not happening anymore. But yeah, it's hard. It's uh, it's definitely um a hard thing to deal with, but I um I feel for, you know, I feel for you or anybody who has uh, dealt with it or family members because it's definitely not easy to uh, navigate. Not at all. And I, uh, to our listeners, I put the offer out there again. If if you're struggling and you need help, email me and I'll tell you what worked for me. And maybe it'll help you. Who knows? You know, I didn't know where to look. I didn't know what to do. I It took me a long time. And a lot of trial and error and just being out there by myself to figure out something that worked. So if I can help anybody else, I'm more than happy to. Keith, I remember years of you just being like, I'm trying this, I'm trying this, I'm trying to, like, like, you know, between therapists, psychologists, uh, I'm doing this, I'm doing that. And it's like, okay, well. It, the thing is, is like I, the, the, I mean, I, I've never had to go through anything like that in terms of like that. I, because I know one of the biggest things is just like that withdrawal of like that's what stops people from completely stopping. Is like I know that what I'm going to put myself through for the next seven to ten days is going to be a nightmare. Well, that that's bad, but the obsession to continue doing it despite knowing that it's horrible for you is the hard part. And that's the real hard thing to manage. This is, I actually was listening to it the other day, but um, Artie Lang was talking about it on something. I don't remember what it was, but he was saying like, you know, the, the thing that kept him like really struggling with addiction was he's like, after I got clean and he's like, I was okay. He's like, then you have to deal with the reason you were using in the first fucking place. Like, which is, you know, sometimes really serious emotional trauma and he's like and he's like that's what i had to then he's like now not only he's like the the way i dealt with it before was i i wasn't sober you know he's like now now i'm not only not i'm sober and i gotta deal with this shit (laughs) like he's like (laughs) that's the worst part is because you look at it and go holy shit this is why i use in the first place is i was trying to get the fuck away from this um Mm -hmm. you know whatever that is um but he's like that's the the part that keeps you know, people go like, oh, I had to go through detox and this, that, and the other. And then like, you know, I felt like shit, but like, that's when the really, you know, as my understanding is like, that's when the really hard work starts. Like in that. Yes. And it is, it is work. The thing I didn't realize is I thought you just stopped and then that's it. You, you just have to stop by yourself and live your sad life alone. But you know, if you want to learn to be a mechanic, you can go to a trade school and learn how to be a mechanic. You want to learn how to be a musician, you can contact Keith Goodwin and he'll help you produce a record if he likes you. <laughs> you, you know, go. you want to you want to get an education, you can go to college. You want to learn to stop abusing drugs and alcohol. There are skills you can learn to be able to manage your life without them. There there's answers out there for everything. Yeah. You just got to find the system that works for you. 
Yep. That was well said, yeah. man. Fuck. That was a great analogy. No, I'm, I'm being serious. That was that was a great analogy because that the, what people really need to understand is that it's it's possible, but you you need to be equipped. You need to yeah. you need to be prepped, and you need to know what to do and where to turn. Because those. Yeah, I remember Tim went into uh, sober living after he went through rehab, and um, he started working at a deli, and he got a raise. And he was like, for the first time, like, oh, I can actually do, you know, other things and, and I can be good at it. You know, and I remember him telling me that, like, he was like psyched about it and I was psyched for him. But it's a, you know, little things like that, where it's just like, you don't think about yourself in that kind of way until you actually go and do other things. Yeah. Right. Like, you have to learn how to live for the first time. I never developed people skills, coping skills, uh, communication skills, a lot of that stuff. So a lot of it, I'm figuring it out now. And uh, it's been a wild ride, but I love it. Because a lot of good things have come out of it, too. Relationship, podcast, new friendships. The possibilities are endless. Yeah. And and now I end this uh, public service announcement. <laughs> and one more... I'm going to ask you one more question. Now, you've you've been in the music business a while, different bands, different touring... Have you ever met somebody that it was just mind-blowing? You're like, oh, man, I can't believe I'm meeting this person. Yeah, I met uh, Rivers Cuomo. Oh, really? Oh, Tell us about that. It was really quick, but uh, we played a show in Los Angeles, and I was friends with um, someone who worked at Geffen, mm -hmm. and we were playing, and she just grabbed me, and she said, hey, come... Uh, come backstage and I went back and went outside and Rivers was in a car with David Geffen and she's like meet Rivers and I was like oh hey wow <laughs> how you doing um yeah and it was it was quick but it was just kind of like yeah I, I love Weezer so that was like you know pretty mind-blowing also a, a weird thing about good old war was um we got we we got to start playing shows in um a totally different genre of music, mm -hmm. right? Uh, so I found myself on tour with Alison Krauss in Union Station, like the best bluegrass band, you know, best bluegrass artists like alive. And, uh, you know, that was pretty magical hanging with them and uh, playing music with them. Some of them came and played on, uh, played some songs with us on doing the set and, um, you know, so stuff like that. We toured with Brandy Carlisle, and I think she's amazing. But all kinds of stuff that I never would have imagined. You know, I would have ended up doing. <laughs> you know, like that. That's awesome. Yeah, getting getting to meet heroes and connect with other artists. That's that's a great part of this whole thing too. Uh, for you with touring and for us doing this, because like I said in uh, other episodes, Tommy and I probably aren't going to be touring musicians i think so oh, I, no i can say definitively i <laughs> i can say that definitively i'm bad at guitar now yeah. uh i don't have an ear for music anymore and on top of that uh the podcast and teaching takes up the majority of my time so starting right. a band is not going to happen but. so getting to do this podcast we get to connect with artists we love and if we discover a new band sometimes we'll ask them to come on and they'll say yes and that's cool well, uh, Keith, we want to thank you so much for coming on the show. It was uh, it was great to reconnect again and 
you know, I I hope to see you in real life again soon. Yeah, thanks for having me. Absolutely. Tommy? Keith, thank you so much for coming on. I really appreciate it. It was awesome to get to reconnect with you. And uh, we'll hopefully when, when touring becomes a thing again, we'll, we'll reconnect and hang out, man. Thanks, guys. There you have it, folks. Keith Goodwin. That was awesome. That was good win. <laughs> no, it was it was awesome to have him on the show. You know, I like uh I like talking to any artist that we love, but I especially like talking to friends of ours that I haven't spoken to in a long time. Yeah, and he's such a nice dude. He's so down to earth and so genuine. He's he's really uh the nice part is especially when you talk to people like that, is like you get the ins and outs of a story, but you also get like the, like what they really feel about it. Like that was cool for him to be like, look, there was times when we were in the band where shit just wasn't going well. Like management, management was just not working for us. And like we bounced around for a while, you know, uh, you don't get that kind of honesty from some people because they, well, you know, they want to project an image and they want to seem like they have their shit together all the time. When reality is it's like, most of us are fucking grasping at straws. We're trying to fucking figure it out as we go along anyway. So, yeah. And I didn't know those guys partied as much as they did. I would have liked to have partied with them. And (laughs) you know, it's just good to hear about like, the ins and outs of being in a band and touring and all that stuff. Cause I've been in bands and, but I've never toured. I've never been on that level. I like to hear about all that stuff. It's fun to hear it, but it's also like, uh, you know what? Th- something Keith didn't touch on that almost everybody does when they talk about touring. Um, the, like the drudgery. He didn't even yeah. say, he didn't say one thing about that. He was just talking yeah. about how it was like a good time. I was like, that's accentuate the positive. I dig that. Like, yeah, because, and he, he mentioned, um, he's just used to not knowing what's coming next. And my heart dropped a little bit when he said that, <laughs> like, because before we got started, I literally mentioned the Excel sheet that maps out every hour of my day. <laughs> yeah. Could you imagine not like, I still think about that when I hear people talking about like, um, you know, like the, their job is like a, they're a, I'm a freelance writer. I'm like, how, <laughs> how, like, what if there's no jobs? What do you do for money? <laughs> like you have to be good at saving. I have a friend who freelances a lot or did, and he's just, you know, he's has savings. He's very careful with money. Me, mm, I'm better than I used to be. I'm careful with money, but still not. I think that's the other thing is like, I don't know. Maybe this is just because I have kids, but like with the like health insurance, like thinking about like the stability that a job provides me. <laughs> like if I if I had to be like, I'm going to the doctors. Okay, well, it's going to be uh, you know like you're going to the dentist. Oh, the dentist says you need a root canal. Okay, well I have dental insurance, so cool. But like if somebody was like, I don't have dental insurance. Okay, that's two thousand dollars. Be like, D- D- what? Like. I just, I'll just deal with the pain. (laughs) Yeah. Like I've I've never had $2,000 like that's, that would take me down. That would take me out. (laughs) You know? Yeah. I, I, we went over this before in one of the other podcasts, but like, that's one of those things that, uh, I've gotten very good at in the last probably like six to seven years in is really just being extremely careful with money and like, uh, understanding that, 
allocating money for one thing means you're taking money f- away from something else. So like I it, it's that's a hard thing to kind of wrap your head around like when you you don't have a lot of money but when you start to like save like we went to Disney World and my wife was like you know and I saw the final bill on Disney World for a week at the Polynesian I was like bro do you understand we could what we could buy with this money like it's an enormous amount of money like we could get a new car. <laughs> Did you really call your wife, bro? I say bro to her all the time. I actually, that I get I get in trouble for that because Romy's daughter calls her bro because you know kids yeah. just say that a lot. So I started doing it, <laughs> and and I had to stop. So now I'll be like bro, and I'll be like I mean love of my life. I do like <laughs> I so I do like the real exaggerated like the thing my my students do in class, bruh. <laughs> like when especially when so like this was even the other night we were making dinner and she was <laughs> she was like are you done with that yet and i was like bruh you didn't even make anything are you out of your mind asking me if stuff's done yo it, you're sitting at the table playing with the kids i'm the one in the kitchen doing the work it's just it's just fun to say that stuff it is it does yeah. and it's also look for goodness sake you need a little levity every once in a while and i used to say that to kids all, kids used to say that to me all the time they'd be like mr doc you take that too serious and i'm like okay you know what as an adult like in the moment, you kind of want to correct a kid and be like, you know what? You don't know. You're not taking it serious. You do need to do your homework and you need to. And then when you kind of take a step back from it, like I would always be driving home like after school and I would literally come up to the kids the next day and be like, come here for a second. And they'd be like, what? You're going to yell at me again? I'm like, no, I want to apologize <laughs> <laughs> because here's the thing. In the moment, I get real hyped because I don't think you see where this is going, like the trajectory of things, because you're young and and that's just kind of your worldview at this point. However, I overreacted. I, I, when you say it's not that serious, you're right. It it really wasn't that serious. And I, I, I blew it up because I thought I was trying to teach you a lesson or I thought I was trying to get you to do something that I wanted you to do that I thought was beneficial. But in hindsight, wait, you said all this to the kid. Oh my God. Yeah. Did did he zone out? Uh, it depends if I, if I like grab them in the morning and like, you know, get them like when they're walking in and they still haven't like really kind of gotten acclimated to like, Hey, we're in school. And I just talk to them like a normal person. It sometimes gets through. If I try to do that in a classroom, no way. Kids will never listen to me. Like they would. Yeah. Yeah. Got to know your audience and times. Like if you grab them in the morning, like right before they have breakfast, like come here. And if they think they're going to get in trouble at first anyway, like come here, let me talk to you. (laughs) Like, Really Do you cool. know what today is? Uh, September 28th. But do you know what happened 21 years ago today? Uh, no. <laughs> Dillinger Escape Plan released Calculating Infinity. Oh, get out, really? Yeah, I saw it on, on social media. Oh, I did see, you know what, now you say that, I did see that. I saw, yeah, yeah I, I saw Ben from Dillinger posted that. You're right, I did, uh... What a crazy record. Yeah. I, I it's, st- it's, it's the perfect Dillinger record, I think. It's because, you know, I, I got into them early, like their first EP and the running board EP. Under, yeah, under, under the, the running, running board. Yeah. So, you know, this was, this was the culmination of all that. And they were my favorite band at the time. They were my favorite, first favorite band in hardcore. 
I think, however, in terms of longevity, what do you listen to more? Do you listen more to Under the Running Board or do you listen to Calculating Infinity more? Uh, probably Under the Running Board just because it's shorter. Yeah, because I, I, I feel like I can only take Dillinger now in smaller doses. Same. So I'll do, like, I... Like if I do anything from calculating infinity, I'll do things like Destro Secret and then Sugar Coated Sour. Yes, then... yeah, I do like the first three tracks. Yeah, I, I'm just older now. No disrespect to the band. I just I don't listen to music that crazy for that long anymore. Just yeah. short, controlled bursts. <laughs> That's an extended period of time. When you sit down for 45 minutes to listen to Chaos, it's like I don't I don't have that type of I don't have that capacity anymore. Yeah. I used to, I, dude, I used to listen to Brutal Truth records from beginning to end. And it's just like, yeah. we were younger and more adventurous then. I, I listened to Grind. I listened, dude, there was a band I used to listen to, Plutocracy. I used to put on the whole record. And it's, <laughs> it's fu- like, it, dude, it's fucking noise. It's so, it's, it's awesome, but it is straight noise. I can stand them for about 45 seconds now. I'll like put on a YouTube video and list, listen to it and go, oh, yeah, I remember this one. Dun, 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 dun. And done. That's it. Like, I, I can't. I can't get past that part. I'm just like, this is too much. Well, happy birthday to Calculating Infinity. It's a classic record. Yeah. And Liam Liam Wilson posted something funny on Twitter. He said, uh, "Jealous of anyone who could listen to this for the first time without having the now learn it part looming over their experience." <laughs> <laughs> and that I love that because that's what I asked him. I was like, "How? How?" do you learn that like yeah how, yeah yeah it's but like a, yeah the man's a pro he got it done here's schematics for an ipod build one like <laughs> what <laughs> that seems like the, if there's a lot going on here this seems to be i need to take some time it's sink or swim time yeah. well f- folks we thank you for joining us for another episode of the northeast scene i think the biggest revelation out of this episode was that you buy clothing at costco Oh my God. Is that really the biggest? I, dude, I can tell you right now, you're going to get people that write in and go, yeah, I buy champion sweatshirts from there or, uh, I buy, uh, khakis from there. That's what I, I, I literally, I, I buy, um, the white Kirkland t-shirts cause they're mm-hmm. like triple thick. They're not like Hanes white t-shirts. They're not like, you know, like, uh, the almost like see-through kind of ones, like the undershirt ones, dude, they're thick and they're really nice. And they come in like five packs. And they're cheap, and they 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 they're awesome. I, well, I didn't even know Costco had clothing, so I guess I guess I got to check it out. Is it, it like a Walmart type thing? No. Um, well, every Costco is kind of set up different. The one I go to, like the whole middle section, so it's kind of like one side is kind of like uh, has like the mainly like the food stuff. So like you know the freezer section and the refrigerated section and all that kind of like dry goods like pasta and crap. And then the other side of the store is like. Um, kind of like the miscellaneous like if you want to buy a lamp or a tire pressure gauge or a carpet or like that kind of shit on the other side um and then the whole middle is just clothes oh yeah it's fucking i thought awesome. it was just food no no well light bulbs you need bro you, it's it's fucking insane it's such a good place people freak out about it so i guess it must be cool or something it's a dollar 50 when you walk in you can get a gigantic hot dog that is delicious and a 20 ounce soda yeah that that hot dog deal i saw that someone threatened to kill somebody 
in the company because they were going to raise the price of the hot dog. They'll never raise the price of the hot dog. They That's won't. They said they That's won't. What do. They said, yeah, they yeah. won't do that because that keeps people. Co- I'm telling you right now, like I can't get my kids to go unless I know, like, hey, we're going to get churros when we leave. Like, yeah, they know, like, all right, well, Daddy's going to buy us stuff from the food court when we're, we're leaving, so we can put up with an hour in the store. So before we conclude, let's get some show business out of the way. Yeah. We want more reviews. Review us on Apple Podcasts, and we'll read your review on the air, good or bad. Yeah. Yeah. So review us. And write to us at northeastscene at gmail.com. If you have an interesting story or, you know, something to say that we want to share, we'll read that. Get in touch with us. We want to hear from you. For sure. Come on. Do it. (laughs) Now. (laughs) Do it, like, right now. Yeah. Just write us now. We'll wait. We'll wait. Right here. <laughs> Dead air for seven minutes. <laughs> no, uh, write to us. Follow us on Instagram, the NE scene on Instagram and Twitter. And uh, yeah, get in touch with us. We want to hear from you. Yeah. That's it. That's, That's it. all we've got. It's, yeah. it's after 11 p.m. now, and I'm dead tired. Yeah, I'm tired too, man. Yeah. All right. So thanks, everybody, for listening. And until next time. Yeah.